Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. There is someone here today that has been asking God to reveal to them the way. And if you didn't hear God today, you're deaf. Thomas asked that question and Jesus said, I'm the way. So if you're wondering what the way is, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. John chapter 4 and verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. His disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, Watch out for my shovel. (laughs) Asked me of drink, which is a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And today for a few minutes I want to preach on this subject, finding joy at the well. Finding joy at the well. God bless you, you may be seated. Water is an absolute necessity to life. It is more important than food. I know I like food. I don't particularly care for water. But I like food. But water is more important to you than food. You can last longer with water than you can with food. You can go without food for a while, but did you know that if you become dehydrated, your body actually begins to shrink and coil up? That's why you'll get cramps in your arms or in your legs because you haven't drunk enough water during the exercise that you've been involved in. Water is absolutely necessary for drinking, for washing, for cleansing. Can I get an amen? Now preach with me today. I'm gonna trust that you're spiritual, all right? It's necessary. I was thinking just today that while I shaved and I had the faucet on, And I thought, how much water have I wasted? And then I I took a shower this morning and I thought, how much of that water really, really benefited me, really did wash me versus what was wasted? How many gallons of water did I use just to prepare myself to smell good or to look good versus how much did I waste? What was it like to live in a home where there was no indoor plumbing? Where you had to go out to a stream and grab a bucket and you brought it back to the house and poured a little in a basin and you, you washed yourself or you shaved or whatever out of, a, out of a basin. What was it like not to have indoor plumbing and to have to go to an outhouse? Doesn't sound too appealing to me. But we take it for granted, don't we? 
We drink it. We wash in it. We bathe in it. We take care of things that need to be taken care of with water. Did you know that most of your body is made up of water? 80% of the earth is water. We don't think so because all we ever see is dry ground and once in a while we see a lake or a river and we think, oh, that's not much. But if you had a global view of what this earth is, it's primarily water. Water, an absolute necessity. Now, let me explain what happened here at this well. The well is a place, <clears throat> excuse me, where people will come to drink or to feed their livestock. If a man comes to a well and a woman is there, the woman will give the man to drink. This is a responsibility, a part of a, of a job description that women have at a well. They, they feed the water to the people that come to the well. If they're extremely kind, they will even say to the man, not only will I give you to drink, let me put water in the trough that your livestock might drink as well. That's what they did. That was part of their job. In this particular case, Jesus sees a woman at the well who is a Samaritan. Now the Samaritans are considered to be half-breeds. <clears throat> half-breeds. They are looked down upon by the Jews. They are intermarried, Gentile and Jew. And so this woman says, well, why would you even talk to me? You know I'm a Samaritan. You think you're better than we are? Why would you even address me, much less ask me to do something for you? And he said to her, if you knew who you were talking to, I wonder how many of you really know what happens in a worship service or in a prayer meeting or any time the word of God goes forth from a pulpit. I wonder if you really spiritually understand what is happening. Do you know that we have a crowd here much bigger than ourselves that observes what happens in a worship service? That the angels of heaven are looking down on us during a worship service? That God is right next to you, right front of you, right behind you during a worship service? Are you aware of what is really happening in this place today? I remember one time a man came to me after service and he said, Pastor, he said, I just got to share this with you. He said, when you stepped into that pulpit, there was a glow that came over the top of you. It was like a heavenly glow that came over you. And those windows back behind you, they were full of angels looking down on the congregation. That's what God revealed to me was happening in the service today. He was more spiritual than I was. I never thought of it that way. But that's what he saw. That's what, that's what God revealed to him. I wonder how many times we have missed the presence of God because we don't see it. Even when I don't see it, you're working, even when I don't feel it. Sometimes you just gotta push your flesh. 
I, I don't I don't come to church every day saying, man, I just, uh, you know, I, I couldn't wait to get here. I'm, I'm practically running to the altar. And no, no, no. Sometimes you just got to say, flesh, you are going to get up. You are going to get cleaned up. You are going to get to the house of God. You are going to get to the altar. You are going to spend some time in prayer. You are going to lift your hands. You are going to clap your hands. You are, come on now. You're going to sing from your heart. We need to tell our flesh what it's going to do, not let our flesh tell us what we're going to do. we got to do that. Let me continue this story here, John chapter 4. The woman said, verse 11, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. Now the well is deep, and from whence do you have this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water, you'll thirst again. Now the world has water. You need to understand that. But that water that you drink, you're going to thirst again and again. And again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well, a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. You know where God puts the well? In you. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about this church. This is a little bit of history. Just bear with me for a moment. I can remember the days when we, how many remember Oakwood? Church on Oakwood. Do you know that we had a mortgage payment on Oakwood of $450 a month? That's not too scary, is it? $450 a month. When we built phase one of this building, our payments went from $450 to over $6,000. Now that's scary. $6,000. How many of you got a mortgage payment of $6,000? If that's not scary enough for you, then we went to phase two. Phase two, we went from 6,000 to over 24,000. Now that's scary, isn't it? I guess you would have to rely on God <laughs> and God's people, like Brother Marty talked about today. And you know what? You'd say, that is impossible. And, and we would have never done it. Brother Brown will verify this for you. We would have never done it except that the people pledged $17,500 a month in pledges. And we thought that we would be able to recoup the rest from the daycare. And if we didn't raise that money, we weren't going to do it. And besides that, God sent us a banker. 
And this banker, it'll only take me a minute to tell you this, when I was concerned about this whole process, I went to Florida. I walked out on a long pier the very first day I was in Florida to pray about this some more. I'm out on the end of this pier, just me and Jesus, and here's this guy milling around up toward the shoreline, and I said to myself, dear God, do not let this guy come out on this pier. Please, Lord, don't let him come out here. I came over a 1,000 miles to just be alone with you on this pier, and I don't want anybody else out here. This guy not only walks out on the pier, he walks to the end of the pier where I am. And he walks up to me and he looks at me and he says, I know you. And I said, sir, I'm sorry, but I I don't believe I've met you. And he said, well, let me introduce myself. I don't think it matters now. He stuck out his hand and he said, my name is Mac Dorn. I'm the new president of the First Bank of Oconomowoc. What are you doing? I mean, the guy's bold as brass. What are you doing out here? I said, well, this is my prayer time. Well, what are you praying about? (laughs) Well, we got this problem. We got this building situation. Oh, I can help with that. He said, if God could bring the two of us from Oconomowoc to Florida to meet then I just have to believe that this is a God thing. And whatever you need, I'm gonna make sure you get it. He told me one time, I'm not exaggerating, one time he told me, he said, Pastor, if you ever want a car, you don't have to fill out an application. You just tell them that Mac Dorn said you could have the car. Of course, I'm going to have to make payments, but I don't have to. I didn't have to fill out an application if I wanted a car. Because he now he did not get converted. I witnessed to him. Never came around. Claimed to be a churchgoer, but he gave abundant life everything that it needed. Now there have been some really, really tough times and struggles for abundant life financially but we've never missed a payment. Now the reason that I I brought this shovel today is twofold. Because of what Sister Dredska did and putting the the saying on it for us, because you won't be able to read it, it says, I'm committed to digging in and supporting Abundant Life Church. It had a spiritual significance that said, we are digging in, we're gonna do whatever it takes to make this work. I wanna take the time today to say this, thank you. Thank you, Abundant Life, for your faithfulness over the years in tithing, in giving to Heart for the House, and in supporting this work, thank you. We couldn't have done it without you. God used you, but thank you for doing what God asked you to do. And then I want to offer you this. I will never let anyone take my spot for giving. 
remember when I first became a pastor and they first started talking about, well, how are we gonna pay you, pastor? You know, how, what's the financial arrangement? And one of the board members, and it wasn't Brother Hickey, but one of the board members said, well, pastor, why don't you just keep your tithes? I said, oh, no, you don't. There ain't no way I'm keeping my tithes. My tithes do not belong to me. They belong to God and to the local assembly that I am a part of. And David said, I will never offer unto God that which cost me nothing. The king said, I'll provide everything for you to make the sacrifice. Oh, no, you don't. You're not making the sacrifice. I'm making the sacrifice. I encourage every member of Abundant Life, every person that believes in this work, to continue to be faithful in your tithes and in your offerings. Be committed. Dig in. Together, we can do what none can do alone. Amen? But you gotta dig in sometimes. You just gotta say, hey, I'm digging in. And I'm relying on God beyond my responsibilities. I accept my responsibility. The rest I'm relying on God. I learned another lesson this week. I'm off my subject, but that's okay. I learned another lesson this week. Let me tell you the source of worry. You wanna know what it is? You wanna know what the source of fear is? Fear and worry? You're not trusting. You're not trusting God, and you're not trusting people around you. And that's why you're afraid, and that's why you're worried. That was so deep that I could only get one amen because all the rest of you are thinking about what I said. That's okay, you should. But think about it, why am I afraid? Well, I don't know if God's gonna come through. You're not trusting God. And you know, I could take the other route here and say, well, I trust God, it's just you I don't trust. But I gotta trust you too. Can I get an amen now? now? Amen. All right, you've had enough time to think about that. So this church has dug a deep, deep well. Not a deep, deep debt. A deep, deep well. And if you could picture this, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but if you could picture this, this altar... If this were a pipe, and at the top of this pipe, if you could picture a pipe sticking out of the ground, and at the top of the pipe was a hand pump, and the entire altar, as close as they could be connected, was filled with pipes that were sticking into the altar and hand pumps above it, that would be my demonstration for today of what this altar is. This is the source of living water. This is the place that you have come, not only to repent and to be baptized, but this is the place where you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You did some digging, didn't you? 
You saw some things in your life that needed to be removed and, and you dug them out. You confessed them and you forsook them, but this is also the place that you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost that, that forever changed your life. We talked earlier about, you know, we had this men's group and we didn't have any alcohol. I'm gonna keep beating this saying till every one of you repeats it like a parrot. Why don't you have some alcohol with us? I don't need it. I don't want it. And I got something better. I don't need it. I don't want it. And I got something better. You can drink from those wells. Jill thirst again. You can drink from this well. And you will be satisfied. Now let me back up so you don't misunderstand. Nothing will satisfy you like receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen to that? Nothing. There is no comparison. If you're looking for a high greater than that, I'm sorry, that's it. This side of heaven, the best thing that can ever happen to you is to be filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. It's just coming out of you and you don't know where it's coming from and it's going all over the place and you don't care. There ain't nothing better than that. But it was never meant to be a one-time experience. God never intended that. Well, you know, you received the Holy Ghost 40 years ago, and now you can just be a bump on a log. You don't need to worship anymore. You don't need to praise anymore. It was never intended to be that way. You got to keep drinking. Got to keep drinking. So I thank Abundant Life for this well. Let me share this with you about believers. Genesis chapter 26, if you'd turn with me there, please. Genesis 26. This is what happened to the Israelites concerning their wells. Genesis 26 and 18 says, Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham, his father. Why did he dig them again? Because the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. Now, who is Isaac? The son of Abraham. You can't live off of your father's blessings. You gotta dig, now you can dig in the same spot, but you gotta dig your own well. That's why I brought the shovel up. You gotta dig your own well. And let me, ex- let me explain something to you about the wells we have versus the wells they had. When they dug a well, it was, I mean, this is work. Picture this. The well has gotta, has gotta be quite deep. First of all, you gotta know the water's there. You don't know exactly how deep it is, but you gotta be able to dig and throw it in a bucket and have it hauled up. Dig, throw it in a bucket, and have it hauled up. How big of an area will you have to build in circumference just to even do the process? Pretty big area, right? And and how long is it gonna take you to dig this well? It's gonna take you a long, long time to dig this well. 
But if you know where the well is that produced so greatly and you find it stopped or filled with garbage and debris because somebody says, if I'm not gonna drink from this well anymore, nobody else is, you're gonna have to dig it out by yourself. That's a lot of work. Again, you can't live off of Abraham, you're Isaac. But he knows that this is a good well. Matter of fact, his son, Jacob, will come along later, and that's the well that Jesus drank from. So he knows this is a good well. And he digs it out. The enemy will try and fill your wells. He'll fill it with worldliness. You can watch too much TV. You can do so many worldly things that you don't have any time for any spiritual things. And get your well stopped. That's what happened to the Israelites. The Philistines filled their wells. So you know what they did? They redug them. There's going to come times in your life where you are not feeling the presence of God. You're not hearing the voice of God. You're thinking that God has forsaken you. No, you have forsaken God. If you can't feel God, this is worth writing down, if you can't feel God, guess who moved? Are you in the same position? Are you a a frequent flyer at the altar? How's your prayer life? Are you truly a worshiper? If you're not, the worldliness is gonna get in your well. Come on now. This is not deep spiritually, you can understand this. The worldliness is gonna fill your well and you're gonna begin to question where God is and why you can't feel him. It's because you're not getting the water. And you're gonna have to unstop this well. All right, time for a story. I know when, you're, I know when I'm losing you, so I have to tell you a story to, to bring you back. There was a uh, old grandpa donkey. And he was walking, this is for you, Nathan. I told Nathan I was gonna tell a donkey story at church today and he said he'd come if he, I'd tell the story. So. so Grandpa Donkey and his grandson were walking along and they came upon this old well. Grandpa Donkey said, you know, I almost died in that well. And the grandson said, really? Tell me the story. He said, well, I was already old back then and they said I was nothing but a stubborn mule. And they decided that they were gonna get rid of this stubborn mule. And rather than dig a grave for me because I was so big and fat, they decided it'd just be simpler to try and stuff him down a well. So they threw me down this well. And I hit the bottom of that well and, 
And it, it was awful. And so I started bellering and hollering and, and carrying on. And, and I guess I just wasn't dying fast enough for them. So they decided they're going to start throwing dirt on me. And first it was shovelfuls, and, and then it was bucketfuls, and then it was wheelbarrowful. And they're dumping all this dirt on me. And the little grandson, his eyes are getting real big. And, and he said, yeah, he said, that's the way it happened. And, and the grandson said, well, well, Grandpa, how did you survive? He said, well, well, when all that dirt kept hitting me on the back, he said, I just shook it off. And then when I got it off of my back, I started stomping on it. And pretty soon I, I realized I was actually getting taller in the well. And as I got taller in the well, I stopped crying out. And they probably thought I was dying. And, and eventually I had enough stomped underneath my feet that when they left, I just jumped out of the well. Would you like to hear the moral of the story? People are going to try and get rid of you. They're going to throw dirt on your life. They're going to try and discourage you, going to try and bury you because you grieve their conscience. And you need to just shake it off. Shake the dust off your feet, Paul said. Stomp on it. Stand up taller. And jump out of your captivity. That's the way it works. <laughs> Romans 14 and 17 says, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Now I'm going to reveal another thing that I hesitate saying, but I remember a song, it wasn't one of my favorites, but long, long ago I heard this song when I was probably a teenager, and these guys sang this song. They said, I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> You're laughing means you've heard it. <laughs> and I try, and I try, and I try. You know why? You're drinking at the wrong well. Drinking at the wrong well. Let me talk to, to people that have yet to have drank. If you're a guest here today, we're so glad you're here. We want you to know that we love you. We don't care what you've done. We want to help you find a relationship with God that you will be eternally grateful for, to him. Take a look here at Psalm 34 and 6. This will be an encouragement. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. This poor man. And the Lord saved him. Anybody here need a savior? The angel of the Lord encampeth about them that fear him. Now he becomes not only a savior, he becomes a deliverer. He delivers them. Oh, taste and see 
that the Lord is good. And blessed is the man that trusts. There it is again. In him. Taste and see. While I'm tasting and seeing, isn't one of the Beatitudes, they that hunger and after righteousness shall be Taste and see. Oh, fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no want. There is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack, and they suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Just as we learned in Sunday school today from Brother Marty. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust, here it is again, and not be afraid. You can't have both at the same time. You can't have fear and trust at the same time. For the Lord is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy... Therefore, with joy, shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Wells that you can dig into for healing. Wells that you can dig into for salvation. Wells that you can dig into for blessing. God's got the wells that are needed. God's got the resources that are needed. We just need to connect. We just need to make a covenant, as Brother Meyer talked about this morning. We just need to be reliant, as Brother Marty talked about this morning. We don't do the heavy lifting. We just make the decisions that reveal our trust and our obedience to God. And he takes care of all the rest. It's that simple. Now some people would say, well, I, I, I don't feel that I'm worthy. Well, I know of a group of people that felt that they were unworthy in the book of Acts chapter two, and I wanna read it to you. Acts two and 36 says, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. I'd feel pretty unworthy after hearing something like that. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? How could we possibly be saved if we're guilty of what you just said? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. There's the water. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the joy, the peace, and the righteousness of the Holy Ghost. It's all right there. Simple, isn't it? Almost too simple. Believing and repenting, that's the hard part. 
but it's necessary. The waters of baptism wash away our sins. Now that water did not come from heaven. It came from the earth. Came from the earth. But that water can wash away your sins according to the scripture. Who wouldn't want that? Does anybody here remember when you were baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your, how did that feel? Was that refreshing? And since I received the Holy Ghost after I'd been baptized, that was the greatest feeling I ever had in my life to that point. I didn't feel so good when I came to the altar and, and I confessed my sins to God. I didn't feel so good about the way I was living, but I made up my mind that with God's help, I was gonna let him be the way. I was gonna follow his truth and I'd let him lead me to eternal life. But being baptized in his name, I felt like as clean as I'd ever been in my entire life. Like the weight of the world was off of my shoulders. Your sins and your iniquities will I remember no more. I will cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. I want that. And I found that in the waters of baptism. But then God filled me with his spirit and he put a well in me. Let me read this to you from John chapter seven and verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scriptures hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit. Only Jesus can give you the satisfaction that you're seeking. The world can offer you dry wells. Make a lot of promises but you'll continue to be thirsty. But Jesus has that living water that you need. Let's stand together. Let me give you this final thought before I invite you to this altar today. I'm gonna describe this to you in the simplest terms that I know. I am not a plumber. I'm certainly not an expert in this area. But we have a in Crandon, we, have a, uh, we had to put in a well. And in order to put this well in, they had heavy machinery, and they put in what's called a point. And the point actually comes to a point, and it's a screen, so that when the pump begins to suck the water up to bring it into the house, it can't get through, the dirt can't get in with the water because the point screen keeps it clean. Now, that pump can suck up that water because it's strong enough to do so. 
But if the pump loses its prime, you will have to take some of the water that you had previously received and put it back into the pump so that the pump can go back and do its job again and bring water to the house. That's called priming the pump. So every year when we get the house all set up up there, we take a couple extra gallons of water and we keep it right near the pump in case the pump loses its prime. Because when we first start up, we gotta take the cap off of the top and we gotta pour water into the pump to prime it. And once it's primed and it's able to do its job, it supplies all the water needs of the entire house. How many of you just preached that sermon with me? Let me tell you how important priming the pump is. Again, picture this. A big pipe and a pump with a handle on it. A big pipe and a pump with a handle on it. All the way across the altar. Who's priming the pump at Abundant Life? Now I'm going to make you think. Who's priming the pumps at Abundant Life? People that march around the sanctuary, praying, calling out to God, asking for a move of of the Spirit in our service. What are those people doing priming the pump? Who's priming the pump at Abundant Life? The people that are worshiping. They're not just standing there. They're singing from their hearts. They're forcing themselves to do. You know what they say in the world, fake it till you make it. Sometimes you gotta come in here and you gotta fake it. But then, once you get the pump primed and you start tasting the water, well now it's easy to worship. And it's splashing on other people around you too because you've learned how to prime the pump. You worried about your finances? Prime the pump. Be faithful in your giving. I feel like the well's gone dry. Prime the pump. Because in your faithfulness and your tithes and in your offerings and in your giving to others, God gives back to you the water continues to flow your way because you know how to prime the pump. Jesus, I know that this altar has the living water that will satisfy any soul today. And I pray that you will take this simple message and use it to bring people to the altar where the pumps are where the living water is there. And help us, Lord, to prime the pump, to make sure that we pour ourselves in, that we might receive everything that only you can provide for our lives. I pray today that people would be washed in your name, that people would be filled with living water in your name that they will find everything that they seek at this altar 
where the pump is waiting to be pumped and to be primed. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.